all is good now. All right, so by uh, not by my freedom of the will, not by my excitement, I am moving on from our subtopic of going through all the mandarm throughout Shas and all the Midrashim that I've you know been able to compile over the years. Uh, but some people have said that like you get the point. There were a lot of people that learned and worked. You don't really need to know every single one. Um, I thought it was very interesting, but I've been persuaded that maybe it's time to move on. All right. If anybody wants all the results of all the other work, I'm happy to maybe give a separate class. In any event, getting to the topic at hand uh, is now one of the big figures in this topic is the position of the Rambam. And that's what I wanted to focus on today. But before we start getting into it, I wanted to focus on two of the Gemaras that he brings. And just due to the Gemaras, um, the Gemaras, we'll see them later on inside the Rambam. So the first is a Gemara in the Dharm. The Gemara tells us that in the Dharm the following. So what happened was is that Tarfin uh, was there at the time when all the fruit in the field was already half girt, and he was sat down to eat some of the fruit, and the, the owner of the field saw him and was very upset, so he put him in a sack, and he took him, he's going to throw him into the water, into the river, he's going to drown him. So Omar Tarfin said, that Tarfin's ignominious end is going to be, he's going to be thrown into the river. The person who owned the field, he heard that the person in the sack that he's carrying to the water is Tarfin. Tarfin wanted to get that He's like, oh my gosh. He drops him and runs away. The rest of the life of Tarfin. He was very upset about this. He was very upset that he used the crown of Torah in order to save himself. Anybody who uses the crown of Torah to save themselves, to help them out, to make them a big kanaker, is a bad story for them. And the Gemara brings down the Kabbalah from Moshatar, who was astonished with Taya Mikdash, and that was the end of him and his kingdom. So, Achaz Kamakama, if you use the Kisra Shotara, how terrible is one's end? So, the Gemara wants to know, Rab Tarfin, Kavan the Kiachal, the Hoku, who were from Moses, have a minute, have a might sorry, who got him. So, the Gemara doesn't understand. The Gemara says, why is Rab Tarfin in this difficult situation? If it's already hooked for it's already a time when everything is half girl, then why does the guy want to kill him? It should be Pashat that it's mutter, it's half girl. What did he do wrong in this person's eyes? Says the Gemara, there were people who were Ganovim who were eating all of his fields the whole year, not when it become half girl. The whole time they were always taking from his field. So he thought, so he thought, he came to ask for a typhon, when he saw the typhon was in the field eating it, so he thought he was one who was always being kind of his stuff. Maybe now it's Hefker, but you were always the one eating it? That's what you're saying, to make yourself comfortable in my field? You make yourself comfortable in my field means you're always eating in my field. It means you're the one who's the rabbi. 
now you're coming out in the open in public because it's obviously it's it's already the time when it's a, it's mutter. So that's why now you're making it public. That's why he wanted to kill him. So, so the Gemara says if that's true, then Yehachem might say an option. So why is he upset? What he said, he had to save his life. And we know what's the halach if somebody's life is in danger, right? You can be over on anything except for the big three. Anything is permitted. So what's the problem? What did he get so upset the rest of his life? You're allowed to. You're in Pikuach Nefesh. In a situation of Pikuach Nefesh, you're allowed. Says the Gemara. was very wealthy. He should have with money. Why is he going after using his crown of Torah, his Torah knowledge, his fame in, as a Torah scholar? He should have used his money. He should have said, listen, I'm a wealthy man. You don't understand. I can pay for all this, whatever the damage, whatever you think. I'm happy to pay for it. That's what he should have done. So because he used he used the howitzer, you know, he used the big the big gun. He could have used the, the, the rifle, the pistol. That's why he was upset. That's the Gemara, how the Gemara concludes about this master on And the Gemara then continues. And the Gemara says like this. Tanya, we have a positive, we, we, uh, we have talked about this two weeks ago, Shabbos Day. You know, the, the, the mitzvah, why it's not counting on the Shesh Mitzvah Timidius, and how Chazal was too scared to take it in its literal form. Not getting into that right now. But the, the Gemara quotes of one of the Pesukim and Devarim, which talks about being Dover by Kodesh Baruch Adam, person shouldn't say, I'm going to learn so that they should call me a Chacham. Learn the Gemaras and be sat in the you know the prime places and have a big yeshiva. Learn Torah me'ava. In the end, don't worry about it. The honor is going to come. The next Gemara we have. I always find this Gemara unbelievable. It's not necessarily relevant to the story of Tarfin, but it's the next very next Gemara. And to me, it's a sharp line. Learn, the safe I covered love it. Then the Gemara continues, and the Gemara says a, a relevant Mishnah that we're going to have to deal with soon in the Rambam that uh, Lezim, from Tzaddik says that I say the Varim Lashem Parlam. You should do your work appropriately, Lashma, for the right reasons. Right, don't make it into a Torah that don't make it into a crown that should make you high and make you mighty, make you like famous, and don't do it like uh, like don't hoe with it, don't plow with it, don't use it as a, a base for your success. And again, the same idea we learned from Belshazzar. Belshazzar was. Using the clear mikdash and look what his end was. So to mishdash because terror. Look what that you know terrible thing would be. So, how far does this go? I'm a rabbi, practically. You come to a new city and no one's giving you a cover. No one knows who you are. 
You're allowed to let people know who you are. You're allowed to tell them your name. You're allowed to inform them like you're the, you know, X Y Z Eloy. You're the rabbi of Hudson Plus. You're allowed to tell them. Yeah. Just said, Avotei Yerus Hashem Menuhar, because Ovadia Navi, when confronted, right, by Elio, like, what has your story been? What have you, you know, been doing? He says, No, no, I'm one of the good ones. I've been taking care of the prophets, like Chazal saying, we're taking care of the prophets of Hashem, providing them, you know, with all the food, etc. All these years that, the... so he's telling Elio Navi, he's okay. He's a good one. He's a good boy. Right, he's he's from the Nevi'im. He's from the special ones. So, so you're allowed to say who you are. You see from that pasuk that he didn't shy away from saying he's a no one. <laughs> so, no one wants to know. What about Rabbi Tarfin? You see from the pasuk, you're allowed to say who you are. So, what's Rabbi Tarfin upset about? Rabbi Tarfin, you know, he could say I'm Tarfin. What's the big deal? He didn't say over well, here I'm a huge Tarfin. Is that my Oh, it's a Tarfin that is going to have. Everyone knows who Tarfin is. Tarfin, by the way, is a Greek name. It's not a Jewish name. Everyone knows who Tarfin is. So the Gemara says again the same answer. The Osher God the Hoya, the the Fisher. We should figure out a monetary way to get to get out of it. It's not that what he did was per se wrong at all, but the reason why he was upset was because it was a simpler solution that could have been utilized that did not demand using the Kisra Shaltera. That is. Again, how the Gemara concludes. The the um, the Ksav here writes something that, for me, has always been something that I thought about, and on personal way, only when this shul came about, it became like this Ksav became uppermost in my mind, and it has to do with this Gemara, and that's the part of the reason why I decided to. Not just do the Ramos quotation of the Gemara, but to do the Gemara itself. This is what the Ksav Sefer writes. Ksav Sefer, there's been a whole week for Ksav Sefer. Shabbos Day went against Ksav Sefer, whatever that means. I uh, don't understand what he had, to, what he wanted to say about the Mitzvah Simach. And now quoting Ksav Sefer's son. So Ksav Sefer says like this on this Gemara. I think an unbelievably telling line because if you know the history of the Erbilanism, Sam Sefer dying and Sam Sefer taking over his place was not so simple. So this obviously has, I think, a bunch of layers. I don't know any of them other than whatever is available in history, but um, this is what he says. It's going on this Gemara that we just said. The Pasuk says, A person shouldn't say, I'm a chacham at this. Shouldn't say anything about it. Ella, he should... Learn on his own. The safe had covered lover. Says the Ksav Sefer. Ah, Amr Yemelei Yeter. The Yeter tells a person. And how are you going to create a big yeshiva shul or whatever other spiritual endeavor that you want without getting your name out there? You have to market. If you don't know about anything about business. Any success in business requires marketing. Every successful business has a marketing budget. And the most successful businesses in terms of valuation, I don't mean that they are successful, I mean in terms of valuation. In other words, a multiple of what a business actually earns. The highest multiple businesses today and presumably forever and always was this way 
are businesses that make almost no, they make no money, right? They have the highest multiples. Why do they make no money? Because every dollar of revenue they have plowed back into marketing, right? Plowed back into putting it out there. All the tech companies, this is exactly what they are. They have the most incredible multiples and they make no money. Why not? What's their argument to the investors? Why should you keep on investing with them? Because we're marketing, we're doing R&D, we're doing all these things, but marketing is one of the ways that they increase their client base. Says Xav Safer, marketing is a sign put on of being successful in life. In order to have a successful business, in order to have the successful spiritual enterprise, you have to have marketing. So Yetzirah is going to tell a person, you have to have marketing. How else could you be known as a rabbi or a or Rosh Hashiva, or a spiritual guide, a seeker, whatever? You got to market it. So the Aziz, After that, it's going to be people are going to come and you're going to tell them all the spiritual things, all the Torah that you learned. You're going to inspire them to Kakarish Baruch in order to be able to get Hashem's name out there. You want to bring Hashem's name into the world. How do you do that? Marketing. And that way you'll become a zakin. You'll have the you know the prime yeshiva. You'll be very successful. This is the advice of the yitzhak Who's on your right side, the sitna. He's you know there to take you off the proper path. And that's what it means when it says, Don't learn, so you should be called a rab or a rabbi. That's what it's going after. That's what the Chazal were trying to have the Kavan on this. Don't try to get yourself any covenant, any fame, any, any success in that way. So instead, what should you do? Just learn. Learn because you love to learn. Learn for our focus. That's what our God wants you to do. That's it. Don't have these ideas about like your fame and how you're going to get out there and how you're going to build a curl and the yeshiva. How's the shul going to, like, how's it going to work? Don't worry about any of that. From Hashem, Hashem will take care of it. To, to spread out the Torah outward. Your name out there without you doing any ishtanus. There's no need for you to do any spiritual ishtanus. The only spiritual ishtanus that one needs is to learn Torah. Hashem will take care of the rest. The more person learns, Finally, the more probably they'll know that he learns. The safe I covered love, that's what it means. In the end, the covet's gonna come. I know safe the tachlis I covered. She has zakim yeshiva. Really, the whole tachlis is that a person should be able to learn. And if a person just worries about that, in the end, the safe I covered love is without any ishtadlis, without any spy, without any mechanisms of his own, without any marketing, 
it works. Khan Kanesi didn't have to market himself. The Sfar marketed themselves. But you never saw him go out and give a speech. Right? You never you never when you ask Ramesha how did he become so famous, right? The, the New York Times report, what do they say? Answer the question. They liked my answer. So somebody else came and asked me a question. They liked my answer. So that's how it happened. There was no marketing budget. There was no marketing budget. And whoever puts himself down, Akash Bokhu will eventually raise him up. So I just thought, as an aside point, in relation to spiritual established, this success for me is a lodestar. All right, now, another Gemara. This is a Gemara Babasu. We've touched on aspects of this Ahmed before, but not on this Gemara. So here's the Gemara. The Gemara says, Rebbe was a big famine, and Rebbe had the gates. He had the keys to the to the food stores. So he opened up the gates to who's going to give food. So Amar Yichnesu Bali Mikra, Bali Mishnah, Bali Gemara. He says, the people who know Chumash, Tanakh, this is one of my proofs. I used this Gemara, if you recall, two years ago on Shua's night when I discussed why they don't learn Tanakh today. So I went through and Chazal, that there were people who knew Tanakh. And this is what I think, Bali Mikra. People, they, did that. they didn't know Gemara. They knew Tanakh. Bali Mikra. So he said, people know Tanakh. Tanakh people can come in. Bali Mishnah, people know Mishnahis, right? In those days, they used to have, in the old days in Europe, right? There were many Chavrashas. Chavrashas in, uh, in the literal sense, but they, they studied Shishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishishish
now, but just the basis. Uh, the problem is that there's another level. Um, I don't want to go off on this tangent too much, um, but there is another level that the Rambam writes. This is to a student. It's not a public letter to the rabbis who advance. This is a private letter that he wrote to a student. And that private letter, he writes, I have now been able to get rid of all the shock of the tires and all the tires on back and forth in the shots that people were making us crazy about. I give it to you a serve, ready to go, ready to eat platter. It's all there. You don't have to waste your time about anything. Which kind of like, which one is the right approach? What did he really mean? I think it's clear, and I've tried to make this proof a few times over the years, that um, the Ramam definitely did not mean in a literal way. He never meant it that way. I think you can prove it from a number of places. Uh, but he meant it certainly that some of the tulpul that is in the shaka attire that people put in, he was not a fan of. That's, I think, his fear. And in that sense, I think he was saving people time in his mind. But the idea that you would become a Yushan Kachim without wearing shas, there, he never told you. Uh, he never, never believed that at all. The same reason that we just said now. We're going to quote around in these gemars, he quotes these gemars. We're not quoting the way we just went through them. You don't have, a, you don't have, a, you don't have any idea without context. You just be with somebody else's regurgitation if you never have it. So of course you didn't think that. All right. There's a Gemara. So he says, Yenis ibn Avram says to uh to Avram says to Rebbe, repeat me. He says, Are you balmik or not? You balmik? No. He says, so I'm ballet in Kane, my fine suffer. So how should I feed you? You're an Amaris. I don't feed you anymore. You're not welcome. You know the sign says Mishnah Gemara. That's it. You're an ignorant, and that well. So he says back to him. He says back to the Rebbe, "Amalei parnasayin kikelav ucho erev." Feed me like you feed a raven. Feed me like you feed an eagle. So parnasayin, so he's better like a dog. Pesach says, by the way. Exactly. <laughs> Right? The both of the matcha of what? 52. So therefore, that's what he meant. But Kelev, you know, was, uh, was not such a beautiful Russian like saying, Mehem, it's the puzzle, Mehem, nice name, Lachma. He's telling him, like a Kelev and Ayre. So Rashi says, what does it mean to Kelev and Ayre? Rashi says, Kodesh has a has a big Rachmanis on the Kelev and Ayre. So never you get excited again. Um, then Kelev eats very little. I don't know if this is scientifically an accurate point or not. I've no idea. Actually, the dog eats very little. Therefore, his meals can stay in his intestines for three days. And uh, meaning he was just asking for a very small amount of food. Even like a dog, it's a small, little nothing. 
half a piece of the rotsu, but even if they didn't necessarily want, the sifon line could be tzarich, and they would give them what they need. Hey, Hashem, his name, his name, basically, the family's name. What do we see from here? We see that there are certain jobs, right? If you're like a safer, if you're an editor, you're not a, you know, clean up uh, mistakes written down. Um, if you're a guy, you know, judge cases, you know, the common law, you know, the basic halakas, you're able to judge, adjudicate cases, you get a fee. You get fees for these kinds of jobs. What about fees for learning Torah? What about um, honorarium for learning Torah? Says the Rambam like this, and we're going to quote a number of the Rambam, the Mishnah Torah, and then we'll go to the famous one in Parashat Mishnah. Says the Rambam, this is another common Torah, anybody who thinks about himself, that he's going to learn, and he's not going to work, and instead he's going to get money from the Tzachah. Such a person is Mechal Hashem, is making a Chil Hashem. He is being Mavazah to Torah. He is putting out, as it were, the light of Judaism. He's causing himself evil. He's taking himself out of the world to come. Whoever has, I know, whoever uh, enjoys the fruit. Of his learning in a material sense, in a taking advantage of it in a material way, <clears throat> he is not He's taking himself out of this world. The rabbis taught us in the mission and of it that a person is not supposed to make his turn into a crown, to be misguided yourself on, to make yourself great, to self-aggrandize over. And also, not like someone who used the plow with, the hoe with, the Use the Torah as a way to make your living. The Oyed Sibu Vomru and the Chacham also said, You should love work and hate hate the, the rabbinate. And any Torah that doesn't have in it, we're going again the Mishnah of us. Um, in the end, it will. Be lost. The safe on him last person who is learning and doesn't have anything other than to rely on others, then such a person who doesn't work, he can end up stealing from people, he can end up being inappropriate in terms of taking things that are not really deserving from others. That's around number one. That's the shot across the bow. Also, another time of Torah, the greatest of the scholars, there were those who were wood choppers, those who were water carriers, and sumim, there were those who were blind. They never left the burn day and night. They observed the gardens of the tradition, from generation to generation, from the time of Meshur Rabbein. And tell us, Matnas Aniyim says the Ram, Loilam Yitzchak Adam Atzma Vitzkalge Bitzar. The person should always push himself. He should push himself hard and live in Sar and destitute, in destitution, destitution, and value start the Bria. And he shouldn't come on to the others to help be inspired himself. And don't rely on the public largesse for your success. 
Right? Make your shamases, make your 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 days when you're supposed to spend money, make that like home, make that nothing. But don't come on to other people. So I feel like a chacham of chubit. Someone was a big chacham, he's a big honored person. Valani, he became poor. Go work. Even in a very not appropriate kind of a job. Don't ask help from others. Better to go skin animals. It looks kind of disgusting, right? Uh, uh, kind of a tanner. These people like Mamash have a terrible time and even getting married in North Suba. Such a person, you know, engaging with animals can do stinky and smelly. And such a person, you know, you should be that person rather than go take money from us. Well, you remember the money. Don't say this in a Jewish nation. You're a big chacham. The godolani and I'm a big knacker. Therefore, you should be in the finest me. And this is what the rabbis commanded. And again, the rabbis says, There were great rabbis who were woodshoppers. They carried beans, and they and they were water carriers, the Ghanites for the orchards. We've done all these rabbis. And there were those that were working in iron and, and working in the coal. And they never asked anything from anyone. Well, kibul mehem kishanosam and didn't accept when they were given to them. Says the Ram Chomisha in a tzorach lutol, someone doesn't need to take. And he, in fact, confuses the people, makes it out like he needs, and he ends up taking. Doesn't die from old age until he actually ends up coming to really truly need from people. And it goes into the the notion of cursed be the one who revives one. One of them is we have somebody who never, he really cannot work, he doesn't have the ability, he has a disability, he can't, cannot, or he's too old or whatever it may be. If he doesn't pay, then he's a bad person. You have to know yourself. You have to know if you're an able bodied enough person to be able to support yourself or not. The person truly cannot support himself and he won't take. He's a scribe That's a terrible thing to do. Don't do that. You should absolutely take in that situation. However, you have to know are you truly that kind of a person or not? Somebody who has a lot of desire and he really should take, but he pushes himself and pushes himself. And he saves a life of terrible destitution and pain. In order so they shouldn't be become a public ward of the congregation taking care of him. And will not die from old age until he himself has become wealthy, he'll be able to support others. That's what means when it says, Blessed is the one who relies on our Kaddish door. Another rabbi. Says the Ram also is surely told Stokom in Agoyim, Mifar has to. Israel is not allowed to take Stokom from the Goyim, Mifar has to. But let's say the Stokom that he's getting from the Jews is not sufficient. He needs Stokom from the Goyim. And the only way to take it from the Goyim is in public? Then, okay. But really, if you're going to take it from the Goyim, take it with Zeno.
How far one should run away from taking from others. That is, if one is able-bodied sufficiently, one can support themselves, then one should work and support themselves. And one should learn Torah. There's no hetanathal in Torah. Ramam, as we pointed out, no, Torah had a very different view of the day than what we do. His view of the day, and this will become very relevant in our next class with Ramam. Ram said, the person, the hypothetical example that he gives another Talmud there is a person learns for nine hours a day, for three hours a day he works, 12 hours, the other 12 hours he's at home, he's sleeping, and touch of day, everybody can do it. And in the Ramah's mind, in those days, if you work three hours a day, you can support yourself. Not as a gvir, not as a big kanaka, but support yourself. I don't know what the minimum amount of hours today would be for someone to get by, but there's no mitzvah. The Ramam never said that there's a mitzvah to be wealthy. That's not at all part of his calculation. His calculation is simply that work, work the way the Chazal always works. Do the menial labor, do it for a few hours a day, and learn the rest of the day and night, learn. That's the way it's always been done. And in that way, you end up not being dependent on anyone. You don't need to be engaging in any chanukah. You don't need to be engaging in any sort of to get yourself anywhere because you're your own person. And you're your own person. And you don't need the dependency that others have on, on, on the public in order to be able to get by. These were the Ramam. Now, we want to talk about the Ramam, the Persia Mishnah. This Ramam, the Persia Mishnah, he wrote when he was younger, right? He wrote it before he was 23 years old, before he his commentary on the Persia Mishnah. He wrote it, as he says in the end of his commentary on Mishnah, on the road, running away from Spain, right? The Ramam was a Spanish Jew. Running away from Spain as a result of the various different persecutions of the Muslims of that time, escaping through North Africa on his way to Islam and Israel, and eventually got to the more capital, came back to Egypt. And at some point during that trip, writes the following right? so, And he writes there, right? at the end of his commentary, the Christian mission, he writes, Please forgive me if I made a mistake, as I've been running all these years. And sometimes I'm on the boat. I guess they were traveling by boat. I'm traveling by camel. My head is not fully into it. So I apologize. I made a mistake. Please don't humiliate me. Let me know and I'll correct it. That's how it's do. Bear that in mind as you have this unbelievable argument. It says the Rambam like this. After I already decided that I'm not going to talk about. Yeah, it's clear. 
Moreover, whatever I'm going to say is not going to be much in before the rest of the even if nobody is going to pay any attention to what I have to say, not those who came before me, not those who are here today, I'm still going to talk about it. Da. Mishnah tells us that a person, in Tzadik says, a person is not we shouldn't make the Torah into a crown that you should become big Kanaka from. Not something you use to, you know, to plow, to hoe, to you know, get by with. Says, says the, uh, the Rambam, this is what Tzadik said, so he passed that Torah, Karim Lachmar, by Klim Don't make it into like a, a keli, into like a, a vessel, an intermediary that is going to enable you to have a livelihood. The bear of Omar, whoever is going to have uh, covet in this world from the Torah is going to take their life away in terms of Olam Abba. Right, people make a mistake about this. Hannah, um, that they was people don't understand this, and they make a mistake about it. And I'm going to tell you the appropriate way to act, both individually and for communities at large. They view, and this is what people do wrong, right? That that they misunderstand this, these words of this Mishnah. I'm going to set it straight. They view people think because these people convince them that they are meant to be supported in appropriate fashion because of their Torah study, and people take this on as being their obligation. And that, when you have people with Torah and Muslim, meaning that they really, all day, they remember we discussed this Shuvah and the Rush. But what does it mean, Torah and Muslim? It means literally somebody who's learning. It's when he has a free moment, he's learning. Not when he has a free moment, he's chilling, he's relaxing, he's battling. No, when every free moment you learn, the Rush says, somebody who's engaged in commerce, fails to support their family, he's still called Torah and Muslim if every free moment he learns. Know what the Rush also said? The Rush writes that if somebody has the basics of Parnasa, and nevertheless, they still work more to have Rafshatamil, so they want to become wealthier. They want to not just have enough to get by today, tomorrow, next week. They want to have enough to get by in the retirement years. They want to be able to help their children now. Such a person cannot be called Teros and Amnasa. Right? And the pride, there are practical implications of this, which is that you're getting off in the taxes, getting to tell you where it's first, all the different things that apply to somebody who's at the Tarasana nothing don't apply to such a person. But the idea that a person who works is not Tarasana nothing is not true. So long as you're working today, just you're working your basics, 
That's not a problem at all. Of course, that's what the Russian says the Rambam. There are people who are convinced that their job and their obligation is to be able to support all the Tarasim people out there. This is a mistake. It's a total untruth. There is no such thing in the Torah at all. You won't find it in the Torah. You won't find it in the Chazal. The idea that the people are supposed to support the scholars. There's no such thing. There's no patronage system. It's not in the Renaissance kind of the world. Where everybody has a patron, that's not how it's meant. You don't find any of them, any members of the Chazal that are going around looking for hand there, knocking on doors, asking people for money. Never find it once. They never went around going collecting money for the yeshivas. They didn't go around. Asking money for the Dayanim, for the Mabiti And you didn't find them asking money for the big Rabbanim. You don't find it ever. That didn't happen. What instead you find every generation in all the different communities of the Jewish people, we found rabbis who were Meganim. He found very wealthy rabbis, both living side by side. Yeah, there are Gamliels and the Rabbi Yeshuas. They lived, coexisted. Right? You had the Rabbi Tarfin and they had the Rabbi Lezman Horkinazi. You had the you had the the, the Takhas Ashiras of Rabbi, and you had the Rabbi Nisimanavis. They lived and coexisted without issue. The Khalilali says the Rama, God forbid. Say, some incredibly wealthy people and some incredibly poor scholars and some incredibly wealthy scholars. And how could it be that they didn't go out to help the poor scholar who can't get by? How could it be that they left these people poor? So literally says the Ram Lakshana Durasim Shahim Lahu Gumla Khasab and Isnaitaka to say that they weren't Gaimu Khasab, that they weren't doing Zaka, it's impossible. Kiamnam Haani Ahu Ilu Pashad Yodal Kakas Hayalan Basa is Dogupinim. If that person would have put out his hand, he would have asked stretched his hand and asked for money. Of course they would have given him. No doubt about it, they would have given him for sure had he opened his hand and asked for a bit of charity, a bit of alms. Please, I need something. Of course they would have given, no doubt about it. They would have given him Zoba Pnina El Shaloy Hoyo Roitza, but they didn't want to take. The people themselves, these Aniyim, these Kaminachon, they worked whatever hand to mouth existence they had, and that was sufficient for them, and they were okay with that. And the what they would do is effectively refuse to take from others because the Torah doesn't want you to do that. We learned the Gemara Numa tells about Hill. He was a chayt debeitzim by a loyvet with neshamayi ba'avtalim by a oni b'tachal saniyas. The Gemara Numa tells that he's mechayiv da'anim. 
Remember, Hill has his worst student was the Virchen and Zakai, who wasn't one more circle, wasn't one part of the Torah that he didn't know. And he lived with Takasanias, handsome out of existence, a tarpic every day is what he made. The Gemara tells you, Zacharim Nanias. You think they would have let him be a nobody if he asked in, in terms of monetary wealth, if he would have asked the students, please don't embarrass me? Of course, it would have embarrassed him. They would have given whatever he wanted. He didn't want it. He wanted to live as he lived. We discussed it. If you remember the last time we met, we discussed this tomorrow. Let me discuss the water choice of tenure. That was a lead into this. Now we discussed the water choice that many, they wanted a lack of tenure. And I proved it. The more time tells you what happened? Somebody left an egg on his doorstep. And what did he do with those eggs? He raised the chickens. And then the chickens came too much to hassle. So he raised the goat. Ah, you're not allowed to raise the baby doc and so well, his goat is a special goat, right? And people accuse him, oh, maybe your goats are eating from the inappropriate. He wanted to come back carrying beers. They came back carrying beers because his goats, they were special goats. The point was is the owner who gets the eggs on the bath on the doorstep in the basket all the years back comes back and he says, Oh, you know, he's talking to somebody. I left my eggs here years ago. Well, no. And Nice hear it. It says, Oh. This is your flock of goats and sheep. All this stuff is from your eggs. He made the guy a millionaire. Rechim could have made himself a millionaire too. Says the Gemara that the Gemara says that Rav Rechim ben Daisa sheyotz a baskov amakol elam kula in nezan al b'shul chanina b'ni. The whole world only exists, only sustains itself because of Rechim ben Daisa. But chanina b'ni died loy bekav karuv mer shabbos leir shabbos, and Rechim ben Daisa himself. He lives on a bit of carrot from week to week. If you recall, it's not so simple. It's not so easy, right? We pointed out that Rechim Mendes' wife right, was upset. She was bothered, right? She used to try to make her oven smoke and 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 because and, she felt embarrassed to the neighbors that all their ovens were smoking every Shabbos and she had nothing to put into the oven. So she made her oven smoke a little bit so that, that it should look the same. And then her neighbor came and, and it was a big, a big one of these uh, yentas and yeah, she knew that the uh, doesn't have anything to make the oven smoke. So she's knocking on the door, knocking on the door. Your oven is smoke, but you don't have anything. Where are you? Where are you? What's going on? And she went to go hide. And Kim Mendez's wife went to go hide, right? And in the cupboard. And the, the Yenta comes in the house and opens the oven. She sees the chalas are burning. She says, you know, Geveret, come quickly. The chalas are burning. She says, oh, yeah, yeah. She comes running out of the cupboard with a, with a pan. Yeah, yeah. I was just looking for my pan to take out the chalas. So what the Gemara is telling us is that it wasn't always so simple, at least for Rebbe Kinnim wife, to live like that. Right? And the Gemara says that she was, you know, davening, and the golden leg came out from Shemayim, and she says, I don't want that leg. Send it back. Send it back. Right? And the truth is, is that even if you choose a life of penury, it doesn't mean that it's always so simple. That it's always smiles and happiness. No. The Gemara is telling us Rebbe Kinnim chose that life, but the life wasn't always the easiest for him to be able to manage through. And what we see is that from Hillel, 
these are the greatest tzaddikim of the generations. If they would have asked for anything from their people, you don't think they would have gotten it? You don't think they would have received it? Of course they would have received whatever they wanted. They didn't ask. They didn't want it. They wanted it exactly the way they had. I mentioned the story, I think I mentioned before, about the, the, the story about when I was by Rosh Ariely, um, so we wanted to buy the Hanukkah presents. Right? I remember, remember the story, I wanted, we wanted to buy a washing machine. No, uh, a dryer. Yeah, I don't want to. You never saw a dryer. He said, "Which one of a dryer? Give it to deliver the present." And he said, "No, thank you." Well, my wife and I, we got married. We made a decision. We're going to have a washing machine, and not a dryer. Die alone in this elamazet, not to have a dryer. So thank you very much, but I have to give it back. People make choices, and if they're making it as a choice, and they're not seeing it as an, as as something that they don't have a choice about, then they can love it. But the Rambam is telling us is that these people made choices. Finish the Rambam. The Karna. What about Karna? Oh, you're dying. There is a straw. Karna was a big dying. The who have a Dolly Dola, right? He was uh, working in, in, in the uh, fields there. Who's going to come and do the water carrying thing for me? You know, Give me the money that I mean the Batana Malava. Right? I'm gonna I'm going to judge for you. That is to say they as you saw in the Shkalm, right, they got paid the judges, but they got hand to mouth, kinda lived hand to mouth. They all lived hand to mouth. Well, I mean, obviously they were very wealthy ones, but the ones who lived hand to mouth, that was their choice. That's what they that's what they viewed as the appropriate way to live. Don't think that they were not uh, they were not they would have given it if, if they had been asked they did, were not asked because the people did not want you don't find one time from Chazal who is on his generation and says that they're a terrible generation they're not supporting you don't find that why not because they weren't looking for the support they viewed it as a chil Hashem they would take from others and therefore they avoided it. They avoided it like the plague. They didn't want to take it. They wanted to live of their own two hands, of their own effort, their own life, that was sufficient for them, even if that meant living life of penury. That was their choice. And they were happy with the choice. And they did not want to, God forbid, be associated that their gesheft of Torah is somehow a gesheft, like every other gesheft. The Torah is not. I'm dedicating my life to Torah. I work to support myself, but my life is dedicated to Torah is a very different thing than somebody whose business is Torah. The Torah was not their business. The Torah was an all-consuming dedication of day and night, passion and fire they had, and don't think for one second, don't equate me with being the same kind of a hacker and mover and shaker like everybody else with their malafa. That's not what this is. I work so I can get by, so I can eat, but the Torah, I don't make money. The Torah is my dedication. It's the supreme pietistic, as it were, kind of highest calling that someone can have, 
and that's what they're dedicating their life to. Continues on the Rambam, and the Rambam says, the Omnam Hamas There are those who want to dispute this that I just laid out for you. Those that want to misread the psukim, misread the stories of Chazal to allow you and to make it appropriate to be able to take money for, for learning, for being the big rabbis and all of that, that's 100% wrong. And those people are, in fact, misleading the people in their efforts <clears throat> to be able to support themselves. Until basically it becomes that their real whole raison d'etre is just to take the money from the others. Um, and we'll just, we'll stop here, just to finish the last line here, and we'll continue the rest of the round next week. Yeah. So so he says that all the rise that they want to bring, you're allowed to take money for learning Torah. It's all from people who didn't have the ability. They're all Bali Mumin, they're all Zakanim. And so you can't bring rise from that. And we've learned about it. And the Rama said, Right, in Manasanim, even though a person shouldn't take money from anybody, if he's a Baal if he is some sort of he has some sort of a deficiency that enables him, uh, that prevents him from being able to work, so such a person should take. Otherwise, in the Chayav Nafsha, he really should take that person. So we have we have over here the first half of the Raman Parashat Mishnah, where he's major shot across the bow on this topic that he says no one's going to agree with me. So that's not something that's new. It's in his time writing, he knew no one agreed with what he's saying, and he was therefore did not want to say it. Again, he said he thought it was obvious, number one, and no one's going to agree with him. Meaning it's blindingly obvious to him, and no one's going to agree with him. Both of those reasons he felt he didn't have to talk about it. And then at the end, he decides he's going to talk about it. Even it's still blindingly obvious, and even though no one's going to listen, he nevertheless feels the need to make his position heard, and that need did not change. And that's where we saw all the different citations in which he writes, you know. 20 years later, he writes it all again, again and again, making the same point. It's something that he never gave up in his life in terms of their proper approach. And we will continue next week the rest of this round and other rounds that seem to contradict with some of the famous rounds that people want to bring down. And then we have to get to all of the generations since that have gone on about this Rama, what the Rama was trying to say, whether he really meant it, whether it's a change in the generation since. All right, Shukar. Thank <laughs> you.